while we were taping the initial iteration of this podcast, the Russell Westbrook trade dropped. The Oklahoma City Thunder are trading their point guard to the Houston Rockets. And in exchange, they are receiving Houston's 2024 first-round pick, Houston's 2026 first-round pick, and Oklahoma City now has the right to swap picks with Houston in 2021 and 2025. David, the NBA never sleeps. This is the official end of the NBA offseason. Russ was the last chess piece on the board that had to fall. This is a, I think this is a win-win in the short term with the potential to be devastating for the Rockets in the long term. Because obviously the Rockets getting Russ this year means they team up two all-star guards in Westbrook and Harden with a chance to win the West with the Warriors being down. We don't know how good the Lakers will be right away or the Clippers for that much with Kawhi and Paul George. It's going to take some time to figure those teams out and them to get in a, in a groove. And let's just say the, the Thunder have done an incredible job of maximizing, hey, maybe our team maxed out their potential. Paul George wanted out. They got eight extra firsts guaranteed extra first round picks this offseason which is planning for the future eight guaranteed first round picks and then the ability to swap four more sam presti is an absolute wizard over the course of one week he trades away two superstars and now all of a sudden has the greatest pool of assets that i can remember an nba franchise possessing and then on the contrary, you look at Daryl Morey. Here's a guy who I think he mistakes activity for achievement. Yes, you're trading for Russell Westbrook. Yes, he's an all-star. Yes, he's averaged a triple-double for, what is it, three straight seasons. But next to James Harden, I think Chris Paul is just a better fit. Chris Paul can shoot it. Chris Paul doesn't need the rock to be an effective player, whereas Russell Westbrook does. I just, I don't see the logic on this from Houston's perspective. I think it's interesting that, yes, probably purely on a, on paper, the basketball fit is better, but as much as Del Morey doesn't think chemistry is, is a real thing, I think that the chemistry between Chris Paul and James Harden wasn't that great the last two years. And I think the chemistry with Russ and Harden will be a lot better. So we'll see what impact that has on the court. But I just think that when teammates like each other, that's just a, that's just a really big deal for them and the reason why I think this might be so bad for Houston in the long term is not just because of these two huge contracts for Harden and Russ but in 2024-2026 Daryl Morey basically gets offered every GM job in the league so after those two guys contracts expire or they start regressing Daryl Morey may jump to a better job and it's hard to predict that whoever takes over him will be anywhere near as good of a GM as him. So they could be in a really difficult spot without their draft picks because you never know what the league is going to look like in 2024, 2026. We barely knew what the league was going to look like starting in May of 2019 to now July 11th, 2019. That's a really good point because Daryl Morey is trading away these picks. But I think we both wager that he's not with the Rockets when these picks actually convey. So this is going to be another person's problem. He's he's very nearsighted. And I think when you have a general manager that, I don't know if he's worried about job security, but their new ownership seems to be, you know, ruffling some feathers with kind of reworking Mike D'Antoni's whole coaching staff. So I think there's something there and something to keep an eye on. And Daryl Morey is just shooting from the hip. But then circling back again to Oklahoma City, you look at what, they accomplished with the talent that they had you look back not even a decade ago James Harden Russell Westbrook Kevin Durant that trio now are all gone from Oklahoma City and they have no championships to show for it it just proves that no matter what you think or what you expect the future will be and how long you can contend especially nowadays you just don't know anything in the NBA so the Thunder aren't afraid to use their assets as they went and got Paul George so 
who knows what the future holds for them, whether through the draft or how their guys develop. But you could, I could definitely see them using these assets to go get another player. But that's another podcast for another day. We just wanted to let you all know that, yes, we did get the Woj bomb during our football podcast. And we wanted to, to make sure that our loyal Double Double listeners got our initial early, early takes of the Russell Westbrook trade. And, and we'll be back in, in the next couple of weeks breaking down all the moves and as we get closer to the basketball season, really breaking down and going deep on our predictions for the upcoming season. So after the intro music, we're going to get Jeff McDaniels and we're going to dive deep into a little football. So hope, hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan and joining me as always from Brooklyn, David Dixon. David, what's going on? What's going on, Kelly? It's a bit of a thunderstormy night here in the Big Apple, but can't wait to talk some football. Can't wait. And we are also joined by my cousin. It is his second appearance on the Double Double, Jeff McDaniels. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good. Just enjoying a little vacation before all the football gets picked up. So now we get to put the free agency stuff to bed and start talking about some good old, good old NFL football. For sure. We formulated some questions that we want to discuss or debate. So we're going to kind of bounce around here. The first one being the best wide receiver in the NFL is. I got Odell Beckham. I mean, I am a homer through and through. He was a New York Giant for so long. He was my screensaver since he made that catch against the Cowboys. I just think what he can do on the field by any time he touches the ball, you fundamentally feel like he could score on any time he gets a touch is such a unique skill that of the best of the best, obviously he could he runs good routes, he makes great catches, he can catch over the middle, he can go deep, he's a sideline guy, but I don't feel like with with a lot of the other truly, truly elite guys that he could take a slant or a bubble screen or a Hail Mary and on any play you run for him, if he touches the ball, I feel like he could score a touchdown. If this Tyreek Hill stuff wasn't going on, he would be my pick. I just think he is the most electric wide receiver in the NFL. But because he's off the board, I'm going DeAndre Hopkins. Last season, he had 115 catches without a single drop. So the dude's hands are like pillows, and he hasn't always been paired with the best quarterbacks. You look at some of the guys he's had, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, Taylor Henneke, quite the, uh, the old Dominion stud, but he's also not surrounded with the, the, a ton of weapons, and he continually produces year in and year out. And it sounds like tomorrow, I've been keeping up with some of the Madden stuff, he'll be the last 99 overall is what it looks like tomorrow. 115 catches is is pretty good on 115 targets. And I know that, Kelly, you hit on him a little bit. I'm going to say the best receiver in the NFL is Tyreek Hill. If we're not going to talk about all the other stuff going on and, and everything like that, I think he's like Odell Beckham, just faster. Probably not. I mean, he's not as big, but you see more unique formations and different ways of him touching the ball than you even do Odell, DeAndre. Those guys do some things that Tyreek can't do. But a guy that you have to like know where he's at and pray that there's a double team coming to him. It's tough to yeah try to say somebody over Tyreek Hill, even though uh, you guys both bring up. Two really, really good receivers. You probably can't go wrong with any of the three of them, but I'll just be a little biased. To, he's, he's really, really fast, which makes him a really, really big problem. It's really interesting, though, that we haven't brought up Michael Thomas yet because Michael Thomas was maybe the best receiver last season playing in that Saints offense with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And that dude, as you said, he's got hands like pillows, too. He, I, I think he led the league in receptions, right, Kelly? He, I think he did. And another name as well, Antonio Brown, given all the turmoil in Pittsburgh last year, he was still super productive. And over the past five or six years, he's put up a stretch pretty much as well as any receiver since Jerry Rice. All right. The toughest division in the NFL is what, David? I mean, every division in the NFL is tough, but the toughest 
I believe, is the NFC North for the upcoming 2019 season because you got, in my opinion, the best or the second best quarterback in all of football in Aaron Rodgers leading the Packers with a new coach. I feel like he's going to be rejuvenated in that new system. You got the Vikings and Kirk, you like that, Cousins, and a team that had really high expectations that should be back there. And you got Mitch Trubisky and that insane Chicago Bears defense. So if Trubisky can get a little better and, you know, be able to complete, like, passes at a Division One quarterback level instead of what he was doing at a high school level last year, they have a real chance to make the Super Bowl. I'm going to agree with you. I also went with the NFC North. The Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears are all obviously formidable. And then the Lions – they don't always get a lot of respect, but I still I'm I'm a fan of Matthew Stafford despite the lack of playoff appearances he has. But just to deviate a little bit, I think a division that's going under the radar is the NFC East. If you were to say any one of those teams won eight or nine games, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think that's a division where the Eagles and the Cowboys, you could both make the argument, are possible Super Bowl dark horses. And I think the Redskins and the Giants are, are vastly underrated. I guess I'll stand out on a limb and go to the other conference. I'll go to AFC North. I think you've got at the top, until until you kind of knock the Steelers off of where they've been, you've got to give them a lot of credit. One of the best quarterback head coach combinations in the league. Now there's a little less turmoil with A.B. and, and Le'Veon out. So you got the Steelers. Can Lamar Jackson, can he – you know, take the next step as as a passer. I know that we've got some some guys shaking their heads. Maybe maybe he can't, but now at least he can he can he can catch the snap and just find Hollywood Brown and throw it as far as he can. And now he's got Mark Ingram with him. And then I don't know why I brought these guys up third, but you have kind of the hot shot. Are they the new team of America, the Cleveland Browns? You've got Baker and you've got everything that's going on there with uh, with Odell Beckham and with Jarvis Landry and with Nick Chubb and, uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. And then you've got the Bengals that have got a, a young new head coach. And is it kind of the last hurrah for Andy Dalton and A.J. Green? So I'll take the I'll take kind of the triplets of Lamar Baker and Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's a pretty good threesome and it'll be pretty tough this year as as things get deep into the season. That's a good pick. But from my perspective, at the, the, the North has a lot of high potential teams like the Browns could be awesome, but they also could be a disaster as they were like great last year. It was like, oh, the Browns are coming. Well, they were still under 500. So the reward was that they just won some games. And I got some concerns about Baker and Odell and Jarvis all being in the spotlight because they're all big personalities. So we'll see how they mesh all together. And to the Lamar Jackson point is, yeah, it's great in theory if he just throws it as far as he can, but he might hit a hot dog vendor in the stands. I mean, that dude, I mean... It's it's tough watching him try to throw. He's a great athlete, but trying to watch him complete passes at, at an NFL level is very difficult. Yeah, I'm going I'm going like heavy on the upside there because if yeah, Lamar yeah. can do those things as a rookie and now you give him I mean, name their running back from last year and now you have Mark Ingram and then Hollywood. I'm hoping and then yeah, it could either be really, really good in Cleveland or really, really bad and everybody in the country is gonna hear about it. And then you have now the quiet Pittsburgh Steelers. So that'll be kind of interesting to see. Player to watch too in Cleveland, Miles Garrett, absolute freak show. Did you see him box box jump with the 50-pound weights? Like, that's absurd. A couple six 600-pound six, squats. Yeah, he's a, he's a decently strong guy. David, if you're owning a team and you can have any coach in the NFL manning the sidelines – Outside of Bill Belichick, who's your choice? Are we allowed to pick Sean McVay? You are. Well, give me him. Do I need any other explanation? Second year with the Rams, revolutionized that whole team, took him to the Super Bowl. And if he had someone other than Jared Goff, he probably wins that game. I considered Sean McVay, and I thought that would be the pick that you two might have gone with. So I, I went elsewhere. Ultimately, I went with John Harbaugh. I just think if you can be competitive year in and year out, Joe Flacco is your quarterback. That accounts for something. And you guys were just speaking to Lamar Jackson. John Harbaugh adapted his offense last year midseason and seamlessly Lamar Jackson led them to the playoffs. I'll go I'll go Sean Payton. So I'll go the guy that's 
kind of won a Super Bowl and scored more than three points in a Super Bowl. That's not a shot at the Rams. You would just like you'd like the offensive guy to you know, and who knows what that's on. I mean, obviously they're playing against Belichick, but you know, you think about Sean Payton's tenure there, and then they're also the team that had the Minnesota miracle happened against them and the missed pass interference this year. So is he sitting at maybe two more Super Bowls if those two things don't happen? Yeah, I like a guy that he's the offensive coordinator, really good relationship with the head coach, and he's got he's in a unique situation because it's not just him coaching the team, but it's like the whole city of New Orleans is like on Breeze and Peyton's shoulders every game. And so yeah, I'll go with the little bit more seasoned seasoned offensive guy as it goes to such an offensive league. That's fair, but I but I do wonder if you gave Sean Payton a quarterback who performed the way Joe Flacco did the last few years or someone who is still developing like golf, if Payton can elevate those guys to that degree or if he would have to struggle and adapt because uh, he wouldn't be able to run the same stuff as they do with Drew Brees. I think Payton... And Breeze's symbiotic relationship is actually very similar to that of Belichick and Brady. Both of their successes play into one another, and it's kind of hard to judge each one independently. Yeah, and I just like what he's done. He takes Breeze, is chucking it all over the place. Then he's able to do an offense with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. He takes Michael, he takes Michael Thomas and makes him a star. Makes guys like Taysom Hill, who, yeah, would be a good guy on Madden, and now he's actually getting snaps and stuff like that. But, yeah, there is some of the quarterback question stuff. He's been given a pretty good one there, but I guess he's not screwed it up, which is always good. All right, David, under-the-radar guy who has a breakout season. This is way under the radar, okay? I had to go so deep Googling for this one. Braxton Berries, he's a Patriots wide receiver. He's a 5'9 slot guy from Miami. And all I'm saying is Julian Edelman's getting to be 33 years old. He had a torn ACL one year and a PD suspension. So who knows what he's going to get into this offseason. And the Pats just find these guys who he's going to learn from the best in, in Edelman of and who learn from the best in Wes Welker of finding the little nooks in the in the defense for those quick passes that Brady loves, the the Pats don't thrive on guys who go deep. They, the, their best wide receivers are the guys who can just get open for those quick, literally just two-second dropbacks that Brady has. Just gets the ball out, move the chains, drives. And I think this dude has a chance if he can show it. He was on the IR all of last year, so that is a concern. But if he can prove it in training camp to get the trust of Brady, I think he could have a big year. Love the pick, David. I thought I went under the radar. You went under the radar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My pick is a rookie running back out of Memphis who now plays in Sean McVay's offense, Daryl Henderson. Todd Gurley isn't healthy. He's got chronic knee issues. Something's going on there. I think Daryl Henderson is going to get his opportunities. And last season at Memphis, he averaged nearly nine yards per carry. So I could see him, you know, taking a prominent role in one of the league's best offenses. And I don't want to say taking the job over from Todd Gurley, but we saw C.J. Anderson come in last year. And how much of it is the the running back's talent versus Sean McVay's offense? So I I could really see a situation where Daryl Henderson is coming in, taking jet sweeps and just housing things. Yeah, they probably are wishing they could uh, take back that multi-year big 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 money contract to Todd Gurley I'll go I'll stay I'll stay running back and I'll go Ronald Jones from Tampa Bay so he's a guy that played played some last year they got a new head coach that's a big time uh, offensive guy they didn't add any running backs somebody's got to run the ball for Tampa Bay behind Jameis Winston so I'll go off the beaten path there's your we just gave three deep fantasy sleepers that you're probably not knowing any of these names unless you're, yeah, you're in like a Madden franchise or something like that. But three, three really good guys that might blow up. The 2018 star that it's going to come back down to earth this season is who? You kind of just stole the thunder. I think it'll be Todd Gurley. Like I, I seriously think reading some of that kind of stuff and knowing running backs that have knee arthritis, that's not a good combination. And so I could see I could see your boy Daryl Henderson getting a lot of carries, super productive at Memphis. 
yeah, Todd Gurley, you probably don't want to spend a first-round pick on him in your fantasy league, and if you do, you better pick Daryl real, real quick. But I could see him, I mean, how fast of a fall would that be? From, like, MVP candidate to splitting carries with a third-round pick a year later would be something else. I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's got to fall a little bit, right? 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. The only way to go from there is somewhat down, right? Kareem Hunt is gone. Tyreek Hill's status is up in the air. I think Patrick Mahomes, he's certainly not going to repeat his MVP season. I expect him to take a step back, but I still think the Chiefs have a solid season. Kelly, you took the pick right out of me. It's just Mahomes, I mean, you just can't expect him to throw as, as many touchdowns. So if I had to pick another guy, Melvin Gordon, because he might not play. That's not a bad one. David, the number one overall pick in your fantasy draft this year should be? Well, as I started this podcast, you know, revealing that I, if you don't listen to all the other podcasts, that I am a homer. And last year, I made it to the championship again for the third straight year, the Manning Faces. And Alvin Kamara led me to the championship game. Well, I didn't get the successful three-peat of championships. Kamara led me there. And Kamara was a stud. That dude runs the ball, obviously, and catches a lot of passes. So if you're in a PPR league, this dude's a, a true dual threat. Doesn't have Mark Ingram anymore. Drew Brees loves to dump off passes, just stay healthy, get the drives going. Kamara's the guy. And he can score on, on any play. You speak of dump-off passes, Dave. The king of the dump-off pass is Eli Manning. And oh, yeah. who's going to be the recipient of those passes? Saquon Barkley. So Saquon, he does it. He does absolutely everything. I mean, dude can run it inside. He can run it outside. He runs routes like a wide receiver. I'm not sure there's a better every down back in the NFL. Giants also have no other options. So everything is going to run through Saquon. I could see him getting 25 to 30 touches a game. And for that, He's the number one pick of fantasy. Well, if you thought that they saw a lot of like nine man boxes last year, now you take <laughs> Odell Beckham away. And what happens if they're sitting at like two and six? Do people want to see Daniel Jones play? Now it's going to be like twelve man boxes, and and yeah, it's it it could get pretty tough for for Saquon. I'll stay in the same division. I'll go with I'll go with Ezekiel Elliott. Here's a guy that. He's been down a little bit in touchdowns the last two years, which is kind of just kind of stands out. So you would think that that would improve. And now it's another year of Dak getting better, which hopefully will open up the boxes. There's no Cole Beasley, so Zeke should get a lot of a lot of quick game to him as well. Kind of like you said with Saquon, their defense is really really good in Dallas, so they should be winning in a lot of games. And then you'd like to think that Amari Cooper, hey, it's a whole off season for him. Does that mean that defenses have to respect? hopefully an improved Dak I'll take the yeah I, I would go with Zeke and just stay stay with the best offensive line in the NFL speaking of Dak David is Dak Prescott an elite quarterback I personally do not think that he's an elite quarterback because I think he's a elite game manager but that does not make you an elite quarterback I think he's a great game manager but if we're down by four and we need a field and we need a touchdown and there's 90 seconds to go and Dak's my guy, I'm not very confident that we're going to be able to go get that touchdown. I guess a good team. So I would say Dak is not elite, but you don't have to be elite to get paid as such. And I think he's going to get paid as such. Yeah. You know, if you're above that threshold where you can, you know, not necessarily win because of this guy, but not lose because of this guy, I think I think you're in line to get paid and. When I think of elite, I think of success despite lack of talent around you. And, and Dak has had talent around him, and he hasn't had resounding success. So I'm, I'm not ready to go all in on Dak. And if I were the Cowboys, I would kind of hold that franchise tag over his head and make him play out this season and kind of th- see how things go and then go from there. Yeah, because if there's one guy that walked into, I mean, he he walked into one of the best situations. You've got studs on defense, really at every level. You can turn around and hand it off to maybe the best running back, a top three running back, and now you've got Amari Cooper. Oh, and the five guys in front of you blocking are probably the best unit. So yeah, if they pay him like an elite guy, now you take away their left guard. You take away, can you pay Dak and Zeke and Amari Cooper, all those kind of things. So I think you guys both hit it. You can't, 
If I'm down by four, I'm a little nervous with him. And if I pay him, I'm taking money away from somebody else, which makes it a little scary in the, the future of Dallas. David, the first round pick in your fantasy draft that turns out to be a bust this season is who? It's, uh, it's Melvin Gordon. Uh, I mentioned the, the breakout star who, on, on the top of my head who wasn't going to hold up to because he announced today that he's demanding either a new contract or he's going to hold out and or demand it to be traded. And so we've already seen the Le'Veon Bell model of wanting that new contract. And Le'Veon's out the whole season. And Gordon is younger than Bell was last year. And on the open market, could probably command a lot more than Bell could. And Bell got paid by the Jets. And so I think maybe Gordon could see that, hey, I'll save my legs this year. And maybe he'll sit out the whole season. We just we just don't know. Now that we've actually seen a top, top player do that, it could create some copycats throughout the league. And either way, I, I just believe that even if he comes back, missing parts of training camp and stuff, that adds up in those early season games. You're just not in the flow. You're not in the rhythm. And I could see him having us, if, if he does play a slower start to the year, and he could potentially not play. So I went, I went Le'Veon Bell. Here's a guy, he's had a year off. Is he a little rusty? Is he in shape? His coach isn't, doesn't even seem to be a big fan of his. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how he does and how he kind of, you know, the chemistry between he and Sam Darnold. And is he utilized in the same way that he was in Pittsburgh? I'm not so sure that's going to be the case, despite the massive contract they handed to him. So you just stole for the second time in this questions the answer somebody else was gonna say because I was gonna go I was, <laughs> was gonna go I was gonna go Todd Gurley but I've bashed on him a little bit I was gonna go maybe Patrick Mahomes because of the things that you guys hit on so my answer was Le'Veon Bell and for a lot of those reasons I think playing football is somewhat of a tough sport to do and you take a year off it can make your body healthier but yeah it, it's just kind of tough to step right back in. Not a lot of elite receivers on the Jets team. They won't be winning in games, which they were in Pittsburgh quite a bit. Just very, Le'Veon would be very, very, very risky for a lot of the same things that you hit on. But but he does have the advantage of being a pass-catching running back with a young quarterback who loves, like, those guys thrive on check down, Sam Darnold, you know. Because they their coaches want completions and, and drives, and Le'Veon's the guy who they could run screens for just to get him in the flow. And you can't name like who's the other running backs on the team that are going to get carries, and they're not super deep at receiver or tight end. So yeah, he's going to get. It's almost going to be Saquon Barkley ish in how they get him the ball in a lot of different ways. Is Chris Ivory not on the Jets anymore? I mean, that's the last time I paid attention to a Jets running back. It looks like he's currently a free agent, so I think they let him go to clean up some cap. And so, yeah, no no uh, running back vulture to get some, some one-yard touchdowns there. The quarterback most likely to join Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes amongst the league's elites is who? I'll say I'll say Russell Wilson, the guy that has no star receivers year in year out. That we kind of we talked about how you feel nervous if Dak is down by four. If Russell Wilson's down by four on the last drive, I might only want Tom Brady more. And that's so much of it's because what he does running around and he's so hard to prepare for that I don't know. He's so close to being at echelon. It seems kind of like an easy answer, but. I doubt both of you guys will say Russell Wilson, so I'll go with I'll go with the yeah the five foot ten guy that paved the way for the Baker Mayfields and Kyler Murrays and everybody like that. So I, I was thinking Russell Wilson, but because you said it, and now we're even. You stole one of mine. I stole one of yours. Um, I will quickly pivot, and I will say I'll say Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL last season early on. I think it was week three or four, kind of out of sight out of mind and Kyle Shanahan he's lauded as this offensive guru and now all of a sudden he's got they added some dudes this offseason I think they got Tevin Coleman I want to say they drafted Debo Samuel George Kittle is their is their tight end so I think Jimmy Garoppolo got paid like a superstar quarterback and I think he goes out this year and proves that he is a superstar quarterback 
I mean, Jimmy's also enjoyed the perks off the field of a superstar quarterback, Jimmy GQ. So, you know, personally, I, I think he should spend a little more time on the playbook instead of dating porn stars. But whatever he wants to do, man, he's he's his own man. So I had a lot of trouble with, with this question, Kelly. I was going to tell you this straight up. This, this upper echelon, because I think Wilson is in that upper echelon. So I was thinking, all right, well, you know, obviously the, the answer I wanted to go with was Andrew Luck. But I think he's there, too. So I think. Of, of the young guys, I think it's Deshaun Watson who has a real chance to get in there because, as you said, he's only played 22 games, but he's been really good in those games. And he's got a system where Bill O'Brien kind of just lets him do whatever he wants. Uh, there really is no penalty for interceptions for Deshaun Watson, so he can just let it fly. Guy's got a cannon anyway. And he's got Hopkins, who's an elite receiver, so and a, and, and a solid defense in a pretty weak division because they get to play Blake Bortles twice. So there's a lot in the favor of Watson, and hopefully as he plays more games, the concern is that he won't be able to stay healthy. But when he's on the field, he's really good. And that upper echelon, if he has a little postseason success where they maybe don't have to play the Pats every year before the conference championship, we could see him in a in you know the AFC championship game, maybe at home with a chance to beat a 42-year-old Tom Brady. Like, you never know. Nick Foles did it. No, you're right. I, I like that pick, and I respect it. I respect it. Thank you. So here's a bit of a curveball, and David, I will shoot to you because you suggested it, so I'm curious to see where you take this. Who's your ideal announcing team? All right, so even though this was my question, I want to open up to the floor before I, before I give my ideal trio. Are we including a sideline reporter, or is this just the in the booth? I mean, my, my answer is pretty simple. Josh Norman on the play-by-play and Odell doing color. Whoa, love it. <laughs> oh, so you went very different. I thought we were taking actual broadcasters and doing it. You went, that's, that's, an, that's an answer. Jeff, did you have a uh, sideline reporter or no? Okay, I went with like the mega crew. So I had, uh, it's a lot of firepower. I had Tony Romo, okay. Kurt Herbstreet. Chris Fowler and Aaron Andrews on the sideline. Oh, that's that's dynamite. So there's a lot. I don't know if they're going to share the ball well. Herbie and Romo might be <laughs> trying to see like which one can predict the most plays. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, of a challenge there for for Herbie to to step up his game. So, so I went on the play by play. Shout out Harry Rafferty. We talk about this all the time. Gus Johnson should do every play by play of every sport in the history of sports. Like this dude, like this dude should be calling cricket, and then later that night he should be calling like Olympic swimming, and then badminton and the NBA finals and the Super Bowl. Like this dude should just do everything. And I'm surprised with technology, they can't have him just sit at home and just telecom in to all these different games that he could just do it from his couch at home and make gazillions of dollars. So I got Gus Johnson on the play-by-play, and then I want to see the battle of the analysts between Tony Romo and Chris Collinsworth. I want to see Collinsworth slide in compared to Romo's clairvoyance in the booth and what makes Twitter go more crazy. Because I love both guys, and I think them together could just be football nerding out like to a degree we've never seen before on TV. And I got a couple sideline guys who I want to run by you. So, so number one is... One of my favorite just people who works for ESPN is, is Bill Walton. Because I feel like Walton on the sideline may not provide any actual insight into what's going on in, in the game, but you'll, you'll get to learn about the atmosphere that's going on. You know, he'll say that he loves it and it's like the best thing ever. And he'll say these, all these like crazy references like, you know, the atmosphere here is like Woodstock in 69. And then no one would know what he's talking about because, but he'd be like loving it. He'll be wearing his tie dye shirt. And then the other one, I, I thought about Aaron Andrews, but I decided to go with uh, Pam Oliver. I think she just does a great job. Fox, that's where the Giants run. An- another homer pick. She does a lot of Giants games, and I, and I think she's got a lot of insight and gets a lot of really good info. So that's the serious pick. Walton would be like the dream team. So the dream team, in conclusion, in summary, is Gus Johnson, play-by-play, studio at or the, the booth analysts are Tony Romo and Chris Collinsworth, and then on the sideline is Bill Walton. All right, I could tell why you were so enthused by that question. I mean, it's the question I came up with. I like every other question was the two of you. This is basically like my my one question. Your best combination of quarterback, running back, wide receiver of all time. So an example would be 
Tom Brady, Barry Sanders, and Jerry Rice. I kind of had a, a serious one and then kind of a hyperbole one. So I'll start with the – if I could pick three guys maybe to play with like in Madden or you know if I'm like putting it in my head, Michael Vick, Barry Sanders, Tyreek Hill, if I was just going to try to be as fast as humanly possible at all three spots. But if I'm having to bet my life on it, Tom Brady – Randy Moss, and then Saquon Barkley. I know that's putting a lot of, uh, yeah, eggs in a young guy's basket, and we've seen one year of him. He looks really, really good. And imagine those Patriots teams with Brady and Moss, if they would have had a Saquon Barkley, not really sure how you slow that combination down. The only answer in terms of quarterback, I think, is Tom Brady. So that's who I went with. And then my running back, I went a specific iteration of a running back. So I went Adrian Peterson 2012, where he runs for 2,097 yards and almost cracks Eric Dickerson's record. I thought that year he was absolutely sensational. And then Jerry Rice is probably the easy pick. I never really saw him play, so I wanted to go with someone who I saw play, and I went Randy Moss. Kelly, we're we're thinking alike. So, So I went either 07 Brady... Or the year that Manning threw 54 touchdowns or 55 touchdowns. I think that was 2013, right? Was that, was that 2013? He was in Denver, right? Yeah. So, so because you went with Brady, I'll go with that Peyton Manning year. And then I got 2003 Randy Moss because that was the year he had 1,600 receiving yards and 17 touchdowns. And as you said... You know, I could go Jerry Rice, Barry, San- Barry Sanders, or the you know the greats Jim Brown, Walter Payton, but I never got a chance to see those guys. So I'm just going off of what I know, the the eye test of of what I've seen, and crystal clear YouTube mixtapes. And then I'll go 06 Ladanian Tomlinson when he set the the touchdown record because that dude was a stud. You went with AP, you know. I like a team that's going to score a lot of touchdowns. So we got Manning who threw 55, Moss had 17, LT had like 30. That's a hell of a lot of touchdowns. And touchdowns wins football games, right? Right, Jeff? That'd be, that'd be some firepower right there. Holy cow. <laughs> All right, three more questions. The rookie that breaks out onto the scene this year is who? Kyler Murray. I'm going to I'm going to stand with him and I'm going to die with him in all of my predictions. Give me an offensive young I don't want to use the word guru because it's used a lot, but a really, really smart offensive uh, head coach who should be a quarterback uh, whisperer kind of guy, I think, in the NFL. Give me Kyler Murray. Larry Fitzgerald will mentor some of the guys they've got. They got Andy Isabella, who seemed like a New England New England Patriot lock that they didn't that they didn't take, and then hopefully uh, a healthy running back and uh, and everything going in the right direction there i'm gonna live and die with the five foot whatever kyler murray that he's gonna be lamar jackson-esque with more baker mayfield throwing ability putting your faith in a head coach who failed to put together a winning record in the big 12 and a head coach that uh you know i'm a big social media guy and and now there's stories coming out that cliff kingsbury was creating fake instagram accounts to monitor kyler murray and the rest of the young guys that's just that's innovation at its finest right there he's uh he's cliff gq yeah it's ryan gosling coaching your nfl team (laughs) it's basically like a disney movie just in real life i'm going josh jacobs the first round pick to the Raiders out of Alabama. I think John Gruden is going to ride this dude and try to justify him being a first rounder. It's kind of a mixed bag with Alabama running backs. Some have had very successful careers. Mark Ingram's one. And then you kind of look at some other guys like Trent Richardson's and, and some of them flame out. I'll say he wins offensive rookie of the year. I think Kyler struggles a little bit out in the desert. And I think Josh Jacobs provides a little bit of punch out of the backfield along with Derek Carr and, and Antonio Brown out in Oakland. Interesting. I, I really like both of your picks. So yeah, but you guys both are with offense. So I'm gonna go with the defensive guy. I really liked uh Devin White coming out of the, coming out of the draft, linebacker for, for Tampa Bay. They're gonna be down in a lot of games, I think, this year, which is gonna make it's gonna be on him to make a lot of tackles. 
so that they aren't down by as much as we probably think they they will be. So I think he has a chance to be in the top 10 in the league in, in tackles this this year. One thing you are most sure of this season is what? The Patriots win the AFC East. I, I, I didn't want to – somebody earlier said, well, every division's tough in the NFL. Have you seen the, you know, yeah, the last – what do you want to do the last 20 years, the last 15 years? It's New England, and then it's Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill slash Josh Rosen. I mean, whoever's New England's backup could probably – Jarrett Stidham could probably come in and win the AFC East for the Pats. So I'll just – yeah, I'll go with the best quarterback, the best head coach against two second-year guys and – some Fitz magic's not going to slow him down. All right, so you stole another one of my picks. I had this stat. Since Belichick, the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins have had a combined 26 head coaches. So Belichick, they may as well name it the AFC Belichick because the dude owns the division. So, all right, off the top of my head, the thing I'm most sure of then, I guess, is the counterfactual of that. The Miami Dolphins missed the playoffs. I think I like the addition of Josh Rosen, but there is no talent around that guy. And Brian Flores came down from New England. I think over time he will do well, but I think this season they will struggle immensely. So the second thing I'm most sure of this season outside of New England winning the AFC East is the Miami Dolphins fail to make the playoffs. But, like, that's not even fair. I mean, like, both of those are such locks that it's, like, takes so much fun out of, like, this whole experiment. Uh, my lock for the season, this is, a, this is a unique one. So it has nothing to do with players. I truly believe that uh, Jason Garrett will be fired this season. The clapper will have clapped for the last time when the Cowboys missed the playoffs and underperformed. He'll be clapping his way to the ESPN studio for a year before he gets his next job. Okay. You went outside the box. I'm not sure um, You know, if I'm betting the house on something, I'm betting it on that, but I respect it. I just don't think he's that great of a coach. Does Jason Witten become the first ever player coach in the middle of this season? <laughs> Judging by how well he did on Monday Night Football in terms of commanding uh, – the booth, I, I I would think he would struggle to to command the uh, the locker room. <laughs> if we're going out of the if we're going out of the box, so if I can't just say the easiest gimme like ever, it's Odell Beckham and Land and Jarvis Landry, they're best friends. You've seen the high school picture of them for forever. They, I think they're going to blow up at some point. Not that they're going to like tear the season apart, but that's two guys that are used to having a lot of spotlight on them with a young quarterback. Baker's really good. A young quarterback and a head coach that's going to be doing it for the first time. So, yeah, you're telling me that Odell's going to be able to stay quiet all year? No, I don't know about all that. They also have a quarterback who doesn't have you know the, the smoothest of emotions either. So there's a chance Baker Mayfield might get get caught in the crossfire there that that might turn into draymond green and kevin durant 2.0 and this might be like three guys yelling at each other on the sideline final one early early super bowl prediction we will not hold you to it but on july 11th who do you have playing in the super bowl in early february i got the the kansas city chiefs pat mahomes i think he's gonna come back down to earth but that means he's still gonna be in the clouds just not outer space I think Andy Reid finally gets back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they got some issues. They don't have Kareem Hunt anymore. Terry Kill is, you know, he's clearly just not that good of a person. So he's going to have to deal with a lot of the off the field consequences that he definitely should be. But I think Mahomes is good enough that we'll see him take the, the next crop of guys and make them just as good. And I think it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. I think Trubisky, as much as I bash him early on, I, I, I think he just gets just good enough that they make it. Khalil Mack is awesome. And they were like a double doink away from making it to the next round. So hopefully they just need a kicker and they would probably make it the Super Bowl last year. And who's winning? Oh, you can't hold me to that now. All right, I won't, I won't, I won't. Um, all right, so then I'm not going to pick a winner either. So I got, I got the Chargers and the Vikings. Whoa, low ratings. 
I think the Vikings had a very disappointing season last year, but this is the same roster from two years ago that were a game away from the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins' second year in the offense, they will find a little bit of a rhythm, and I think I think Minnesota is going to surprise a lot of people this season. And then Phillip Rivers gets to the Super Bowl, and I won't say I'm favoring the Chargers, but I think he joins Eli and, and Big Ben from that class of 2003 who puts a ring on that finger. David, you spoke to it earlier, though. Melvin Gordon, his situation, that's definitely concerning. They need him. So they want to figure that out. And if it means paying him, uh, do it, especially when you're this close to contention. And their defense is lights out. You got Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. They just drafted the kid, Jerry Tillery, out of Notre Dame. I I just think this team is absolutely loaded. And then offensively, I mentioned Gordon. You got Keenan Allen, Travis Benjamin, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. Shout out Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) I think the Chargers, top to bottom, you can make the argument have the best overall roster in the NFL. And for that, I got the Chargers and the Vikings playing in the Super Bowl. That's that's pretty bold. So I hope that yeah, I hope you put not that much money on that. I guess <laughs> for for me, I looked at it like if there's a pass interference called on a on a receiver being tackled as the ball is thrown to him, the Saints are the Saints make it last year. And really, the only guy they lost, Mark Ingram, was their big loss. We, we all hit on how great we think Alvin Kamara is. So I'll take the Saints out of the NFC, and then I'll take. A forty-two-year-old Tom Brady to just keep on going. Just not. I don't want to get tricky. Don't want to get fancy. You know, I, I the the Chiefs are going to be a popular pick. It scares me. Is there no Tyreek Hill? Is there no? You know, obviously there's no Kareem Hunt. What happens there? Does Pat Mahomes regress? I'll take Tom with another Alabama running back behind him with a healthier offensive line. They. Picked a, a receiver in the first round in, I think it's the second time since Belichick's been there. They took a receiver in the first round. He'll be really good. Yeah, you're going to have to talk me out of picking Tom Brady. And I'll say, you guys didn't really want to pick people. I'll say, Tom wins it again. I'll just, Tom versus the field, and I'll take Tom this year. I think the loss of Gronk this year, though, is actually going to be pretty big. Tom Brady is this larger than God type guy, but I really think he's relied a lot on upon Gronk over the past couple years and they've they formed some really good chemistry and I just think Gronk not being there as a security blanket could be cause for some concern but with Brady and Belichick they always seem to figure things out one of my locks actually was that I think Gronk is going to come back that was number two for me because I just fundamentally think that he's just a guy who will be sitting on his couch in mid-August like how much partying can he do before he's just like I'm bored I want to go catch touchdowns, do football spikes, and hang out with my friend Tom. You know, like, I think you sit there in August and be like, man, I, I miss my friend Tom and Julian and Coach Bill, and I think he's going to want to go back. So, and I only didn't pick the Patriots mainly because my hatred for them blinds me. It's, it's death taxes and Patriots Super Bowl appearances are the three, you know, eventualities of, of life. Yeah, I think when I, when I was looking at it, I was like, well, they picked a, a receiver in the first round that does like Gronk-type stuff as a receiver, 6'3", 230. Maybe they'll line up in different formations, but maybe that'll be his Gronk guy. David, you, you hit a good point. They didn't do anything in their tight end room this offseason. I wonder if they anticipate Gronk coming back at some point. And then they're healthy around him, and then you look around the AFC and you're like, well, Patrick Mahomes couldn't get it done last year, and he had Tyreek Hill. You don't trust this, this, you know, the Steelers, the Browns, the Chargers might not have their star running back. It almost seems like Tom's going to have to screw it up in order to maybe not show up this year. At, at what point does he fall off? Like, how much longer can he can he compete at this level? Because this is this is something we've never seen before. So, did you guys see the video? They're doing that Tom versus time, the season two deal. They time Tom's forty yard dash. Which, okay, like yes, he's not a he's not a guy that's going to run or anything like that. He ran a faster forty time on a grass field in somebody's backyard two weeks ago than he did. 20 years ago when he got drafted so if you're talking about like somebody's bot like his body's only getting better and they're really smart with how they do things uh, three years three to four years is when I mean, which is absurd now you're like 45 years old playing in the nfl is absurd but he didn't look 
bad at almost any time last year. So I don't really know why he would just hit the cliff real quick. I think that the that the biggest thing for Brady that is to his advantage for the longevity isn't the fact that he somehow turned into an alien after he got drafted, but the fact that he doesn't let himself get hit. And so the amount of hits that he takes over the course of a season is way less than a lot of other guys. You saw with Peyton Manning his last couple of years. Manning would sense the pressure and slide in the in the pocket to not get hit. But Brady can still get the ball out so quickly that as long as Brady still has the arm strength, which to be determined, he is 42 years old, he still should be a successful NFL quarterback because he gets that ball out so quick he doesn't get hit that much. I just think that once the decline hits, though, it's going to be fast and it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a lot like Peyton where all of a sudden he's not Tom Brady anymore. He's Joe Flacco. And it's going to be exactly like the Brady uh, the Peyton Manning situation and it'll be tough to watch and, and a football icon lose so much of where he was to what the decline will, will bring but you know as a Giants fan as a lifelong li- lifelong New Yorker I, I kind of can't wait for it the rest of the AFCs can't wait for it as well that's for sure so that will do it Jeff thank you for for joining us and we I mean, we're going to have you back, hopefully, as long as you're you're not super busy during the football season. We'd love to have you back at some point then, too. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. I, I, I've been tuning in to, to all the episodes. And, yeah, like I said before we got started, you guys could have had a podcast every other hour the past two weeks and had 16 things to talk about. So hopefully there's going to be a lot to talk about. We haven't even started to dive into college football, which I'm sure we'll get to and, and stuff like that. But I appreciate you guys letting me on. And, uh, yeah, we'll make sure that we kind of keep passing the, passing the word along and you guys keep up the good work. Thanks, Jeff. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Five stars would be much appreciated. If you have any feedback for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, you can reach us on Twitter. Our handle is DBL underscore DBL podcast. Or you can shoot us an email. Our email address is double double 402 at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Take care and make it a great day.